Hey, it's Ron McLean. Welcome to Hockey Talk on the Rock. With Laura and Keith. It's interesting. So let's back up a second. He played absolutely out of his mind. It made no sense to me. And now, here are your hosts. All right, we are back with Hockey Talk on the Rock, episode number 66. And we have some real exciting news because we're going to be attending the Canucks game in two days in Vancouver against the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Potential to see OV move into th- sole spot a third yeah. on the all-time goal-scoring list, and uh, should be a lot of fun. We might throw up a random little video when we're yeah. there and uh, probably try to get some autographs or something when they won't do it, though, because <laughs> it's COVID times, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that one. But, but uh, yeah, so pretty excited to go to the game on Friday, and tonight there is a game against the Montreal Canadiens starting in 45 minutes or so, and yep. uh, we're just going to caught up on the last few games and maybe some other stuff. Yeah, so I mean, again, uh, crazy time for Canucks fans because I feel like every week when we talk, it's kind of like, okay, this stretch is going to define the Canucks season, (laughs) but we're really moving into that territory with this seven-game homestand before the trade deadline. Basically, I think they need five of seven to realistically put themselves into a shot here. Um, for the next, I guess we could recap what they did recently, but looking forward, I think they probably need to win five of these seven games to have a shot because after the trade deadline, unfortunately for the Canucks, their schedule does get a lot tougher in terms of both like games played, but also the quality of the opponents. So they really need to capitalize here to put themselves in the best position possible for post trade deadline. But looking back, we've had, again, a pretty nice run of games for the Canucks. I can't really think of anything, like, too negative to say. Yeah, well, well, I mean, maybe we'll avoid talking about the New Jersey game. Yeah, (laughs) fair Um, enough. But, yeah, since we talked last, we watched, uh, we did our last episode just before they blew out Calgary 7-1, which was awesome. that was awesome. And then, uh, then they went on to beat the Rangers in a good game. that was also a really good game. Yeah, very good game. Um, they got blown out by the Devils, and then they won a pretty good, resilient-type game against yes, the Islanders, yep. and that was three for four, or three out of four mm-hmm. on that road trip. Yeah. And then, uh, and what else? They also Toronto. beat the Leafs. Yeah, that was yeah. the big one. That was the big one. Um, well, I, again, in terms of quality of opponent, um, but also I just think, you know, the way they won that game was pretty uh, nice to see. Um, Demko did allow some goals, but the team was able to kind of rally around him and get the win. Not saying that those goals were Demko's fault, but a lot of the season it's been, you know, like (laughs) basically rely on Demko as much as possible and try and get some scoring here or there. Um, again, trade speculation around the Canucks continues to swirl. Um, if they move a winger in Besser or Garland, I will... I wouldn't be totally surprised. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised to see him wait until the offseason and kind of like you, you said last time, move Mott at the deadline if he doesn't resign. It sounds like what Patrick Alvin and his group has done is they've gone to these players with expiring contracts, who, you know, your best or your Garland, not your Garlands, your, your Tyler Motts, um, even potentially like Corvat and Miller and say like what are you looking for on your next deal and I think that's really smart because again it gauges okay what are they what are they thinking about getting and if the Canucks are like no way in hell then they try and move them right Mm -hmm. and 
regardless if something big happens at this deadline or not, I think the more dramatic changes are going to happen in the offseason. I, like, I think that's the way it's leaning because the Canucks have managed to stay competitive for this amount of time. The name that I think might be the most interesting that no one's really talked about, but he's played ridiculously well, and again, no one's talking about it under Boudreaux, is Tanner Pearson. Because he's got the like the highest uh, of all the Canucks at even strength points since Boudreaux took over. He's on a deal that I don't think the Canucks particularly love, and it would be interesting to see. And again, maybe this is something that happens in the offseason, but I could see like a playoff team kind of be interested in that depth scoring of Pearson. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch Canucks wise. Um I, I can see the Pearson thing. Um like you say, it was nice to see, especially like against the Leafs and the Islanders, that the Canucks were able to pull off victories without totally yeah. relying on amazing games from Demco. Yeah. And um yeah, the more and more time goes on and the more and more the team is playing for each other, like they're clearly uh, the group is invested in each other and themselves. I can see kind of nothing happening. I'm starting more and more to believe that a team will throw a late round pick at them for lack. Really? I, I think so. I don't es- know. Especially like a Pittsburgh. Like I know DeSmith's played a bit better recently, but Halak's always been market, a career playoff but... goalie. And if something did happen to Jari, like Jari was awful in last yeah, year's playoffs. Yeah. Or if he got hurt, like I don't know how confident they would be going to DeSmith. Yeah. But is Halak willing to wave? That's the other question. Well, at what point, too, like the, like, <laughs> the Canucks are going to be able to say, like, look, we haven't held you back from the mm-hmm. games played bonus and all. Yeah. Like, you know, we've been trying to give sure. you, and, and, and it just hasn't worked, like, for whatever reason. Especially these last, what, three the or four starts? The last three or four were awful. And I mean, again, not to like say that Halak has been great because he hasn't, but the team is also like completely not showing up in front of him. Like that New Jersey game, for example. Yeah, it's New Jersey. You shouldn't be letting in seven goals or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But the chances that the Devils were getting were like stupid. Like, it's true, but one thing I noticed, especially in that Devils game, was it just seemed like. I don't know. He he just it doesn't seem like he's playing confidently. Like even before they got a bunch of goals, there was little plays like he was really deep in his net a lot. Yeah. And the, anytime the puck came close to the crease, he wasn't like aggressively sure. doing his thing. You know, and it was making me nervous even before it started to unravel. <laughs> so he just doesn't look like. So my question then I don't know. is, and I I said this in the summer and I'm sticking to it now, but. Of the mistakes that Benning made, I really feel like that whole B buyout and then bringing Halak in was so dumb. Yeah. Like, I really just think the quality of goaltending you've gotten out of Halak has been similar to what you got out of Holtby. You're now going to have to pay Halak his bonus next year, but you're also having to pay the Holtby buyout. It was just a very short-sighted move, which again kind of cap encapsulates his tenure as a Canucks GM, mm. but... There's some things that I think you can look back on now and you can say, like, oh, wow, like, Ashley Benning like, did okay. But that one for me is kind of like the knife in the back kind of thing. Like, yeah. Well, I yeah, I mean, both those, right? The Vertan and buyout, too, hurt a lot. Yeah. Because they, they gave him the money to keep him, which basically cost them to fully, yeah, too, sure. right? So, um, I don't know. Sticking with the Halak thing, <laughs> like, I, I've definitely heard a lot in this last week that the organization 
would be not only prepared to have Spencer Martin step into the backup role for the rest of the year, but they're strongly considering him being Demko's backup next year. Really? So why not get him prepared by trying to move a lot? Like, at this point, sure. you know, why not get a lottery ticket pick, right? Sure. I mean, if, if they can. Uh, if, if they can. Yeah. And that will kind of move me into my next segment, <laughs> which I wanted to talk about, which is which team overpays the most for a goalie at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Because we're having an interesting time, or it's been an interesting time in the NHL for goalies, I feel like, of late. But specifically of some teams that are looking to go deep in the playoffs. So you have the Leafs, who I think have given up substantial leads in like three of their last four games. And Campbell, is like his stats since Christmas have been awful. So you have them, who they have obviously a very good team, powerhouse level offense, um, but the goaltending. And again, I'll say this for Jack Campbell, in that game versus Vancouver especially, I noticed it. The Leafs are not hard on players in front of their own net. And so you can throw in, like, any of the goalies that are on the market kind of into that position, and if you're not going to help your goalie out, I don't know how much better it's going to be. But I could see them trying to do something, even though Dubas has said he's only doing one thing and it's for defensemen. But if it continues like this until the trade deadline, how can he not do something to improve his goaltending? Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I do think that they will try to add in more of a hard-nosed defense, especially yep. with with Muzzin coming back. They're not going to have any money. No. Um, so who can you get for no money in the goaltending world, you know? It would have to be retained salary, right? Yeah. So uh, Toronto, I don't buy as doing the goalie <laughs> thing, but I agree they should do the goalie thing. Okay, so they're the first one. Yeah. Second one would be Edmonton. Um, at Edmonton, yeah. I don't know about only because... Like, Koskinen and um, Skinner have both played a lot better of late. It's Smith that's been, like, awful. So I'm wondering if maybe they just say, okay, we'll give it to these two guys to go with because they've already said they don't want to spend at the deadline this year. Yeah. Um, And if they haven't made a move yet, like, we've been kind of talking about how they should have been making a move since, like, December. Yeah. Um, Why would they now when the prices are going up as we get close to the deadline? So... Again, agree they should do a goaltending thing. Yep. Don't think they're going to do it. Okay, next one, Minnesota. So they're another team that started the year really, really good. Talbot looked really, really awesome. Then I picked him up in fantasy and he just <laughs> died. But no, like in all seriousness, both their goalies, him and Kakinen, have not been great for a long time now, um, like a couple months at least. And they're another team, like Bill Guerin, he went all in. He did the buyouts, the Suter and the Parise buyouts that are basically going to screw him over for the next few years. So it's almost like they have to do it now. So I could see them, and I don't know how they do it. I don't know what Minnesota's cap situation's like, but I could see them as a serious player for Marc-Andre Fleury. Okay. Um, because I think that they're in kind of the most desperate spot in terms of salary cap for the future. So, they're kind of my pick, but I don't know what you think about the Wild. Uh, I don't know. I agree they're in a rough <laughs> patch. I'm probably going to, like, I'm being boring here by <laughs> saying I don't think they're going to do a goalie thing, but I don't because I think I have good reasoning is they, like, I'm still st- sticking with the Giroud thing. Okay. And more of my reason now than ever is they're like a bottom five team in the league in faceoffs. Yeah. And he is, like... I, I can't remember his stats. He's like 72% in the dot on penalty killing. Right. And 65 on the power play. And then like, you know, 58 or something on five on five. So he's the second best 
centerman for faceoffs in the league behind Patrice Bergeron. That's insane. And yeah. so I feel like they would want to address the centerman thing more, and then especially knowing that he can play the defensive side of the game on the penalty kill and things, that it would probably help out. And like you say, they're going to be in cap hell next year, so I, I don't know. Going for a big money ticket like that would probably be a move I could see happening this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I have a lot more belief in Talbot and Kakinen than I do in Campbell and Mrazic or Koskinen and Skinner. Sure, sure. So, yeah. It's hard to say. Because the other two teams that I'll throw out to you as well. So one would be Washington. Although, again, I feel like Washington, they're probably going to go back and forth between the two young guys like Samsonov and uh, Vitek Vanacek. And then, for me, the other one that I think is interesting, kind of these two are my... Like, a bit of a lottery ticket here, but it would be Colorado because of Camper. Right. But, I don't know. Again. I, I would say Washington would be my most likely pick to see a goalie move coming. Really? Yeah, I do. I mean, aside from, like, a Halak as a depth pickup sure. guy, like I've already talked about, like, I feel like they are the team that's kind of, like, similar to Pittsburgh. Like, our stars have been stars for a long time, yeah, and they're we'll all getting old. Shot. We're in a playoff spot. You know, how many more times do we have a chance to really make a kick at the can? Because I don't see them or Pittsburgh, for example, being like, well, you know, we're in a playoff spot, but our guys are getting old, so let's sell. Right? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I feel like Washington can and probably will do something for a goalie. And, like, I think you've probably read a lot sort of similar to I have about how there's a desire for Flurry there. But from what I've read, go. yeah, he doesn't want to play Pittsburgh because yeah. he's still a penguin at heart yeah. or whatever is what I read. So yeah. uh, that's tough for them. It is. Then who, I was going to say who else is there because I, I don't see the Rangers moving Gorgiev or Georgiev like when they're in division. In, yeah, and when they're in a playoff spot. So he would be an option, like a goalie option potentially, but I don't see him moving. And then like um corpus salo from columbus i don't know if he's any better than yeah, what they have i don't think he's an upgrade to, you know kudobin or Holby yeah. or you know like the other guys that are available okay unquote, so i'll throw one more name at you okay. which i think could be an interesting name especially given the direction the team has gone in the last few weeks john gibson yeah yeah uh yeah if he wasn't so injury prone <laughs> i'd be all over that all yeah. day long because i think when he is healthy he is really good yeah but has he been injury prone because he's been overplayed so much i don't know yeah yeah i don't know i don't know question. i feel like it would be kind of nice for him uh again he's been on anaheim for a very long time he was there when they were competitive but he's been through these lean years and you give him another shot somewhere um Washington, I do think, is going to have to make some sort of big move at the deadline, whether it's in goal or not. They've just not been good for so long now, and they're basically only in a playoff spot because that division like between playoffs and non-playoffs in the East is so big. But from what I've read, like basically there's a race in the East to finish first because everyone wants to play Washington. No one wants to play Boston in that right. wild card. Um assuming that Boston, you know, doesn't climb up or something, mm -hmm. but it seems like if people could pick, that would be the team they play. So you don't want to be that team, and I don't know how they change it up at this point, but... And yeah. Boston's caught up to Toronto. They're, they're very a, close, that's yeah. what I was saying. Like, Yeah, they're, they're only a couple points back. I think they were only like two or three back before Toronto won last night. Yeah. So. 
interesting times. Yeah. And, and the trade deadline's now, what, 10 days away? March 21st, yeah. Yeah. So it's all coming down to the wire. I mean, kind of jumping back to the West to some Canucks talk now, I think both you and me agree on this. Like, the West, the um, standings have been like it's gone back and forth right there's been a few days when you're watching scoreboard watching and you're like oh basically everything that could go wrong for the canucks has gone wrong but last night was like a positive night and mm-hmm. the fact that we had you know some some things bounce the canucks way vegas lost and i personally think that that vegas spot is the spot the canucks should be going after i know the two wild card spots right now like dallas and nashville they both still have two games on hand on Vancouver so again it's hard to say if they win those games or not but they both have them so that's not ideal um but if the Canucks win tonight and the Oilers lose the Canucks will have more points than the Oilers um which is impressive in the same amount of games because when Boudreaux took over as head coach for the Canucks the Canucks were 14 points behind Mm -hmm. the Oilers so uh, it's been a nice climb for the Canucks and Mm -hmm. that will put them you know kind of in striking distance if someone falls out you know if minnesota continues to not get goaltending and they fall out because i know like both dallas and nashville are within a couple points of them too yeah so it's just it'll be interesting to watch but i think like that would be what i would set my sights on as a canucks fan to see if they could knock that out because they do play vegas like three more times or something too Mm -hmm. down the stretch so yeah that'd be huge and i mean of those teams that they're kind of battling with so to speak I mean, I feel like, for me, Anaheim and Winnipeg... They're done. I, I think yeah. I'm not really considering them, even though Anaheim's one point up or whatever yeah. right now. And I'm not a... I don't believe in Dallas. Like, I don't know what it is. I just can't buy in. What uh, about Jason Robertson, then, man? Back-to-back hat I know, but then I listened to the game. I was on a walk the other night, and I was listening to the game against Nashville for the third period. And, you know, to give up those two goals in the last eight minutes or whatever and blow that game that like those are the two teams in the wildcard spots like that that's so critical i was like i don't know dallas has been super hot for like the last two weeks their team they go through these really long periods of being like shit or being really good and they seem to have been in that really good position but i don't see the canucks catching dallas for whatever reason um just with again their schedule after the deadline but Mm -hmm. Time we'll see. Time we'll see. I, I, for a while, I thought Nashville was falling out of it. So, again, you never know. Um, they put themselves in the position to even talk about this, which is, again, pretty amazing when you consider where we're at in December. Yeah. And it was like, you know, if we get some good play out of the young guys, we'll be happy. So, you know. Totally. Yeah. And, I mean, like you said earlier, if Edmonton and Vegas both follow the playoffs this year, that would be like – Almost as good as anything else happening this year. That would be a, that would make me a very happy person. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think that might be it for us. And I think so. It all starts tonight with Montreal, and hopefully they walk away with the two points. And yep. uh, even more importantly, hopefully they come out for us with a big game on Friday, and we get to see a good game. And hopefully and, uh, Ovechkin scores too. <laughs> I yeah. will say in a losing cause. In a losing like, cause. Five one. If we get an OV goal and you know the Canucks <laughs> win, that would be a perfect world for me. But. There I'll take go. the Canucks win and without the goal. We will hop back on and do episode 67 sometime next week and recap Montreal, Washington, Tampa, and yeah. uh, whatever else happens between now and then. Yeah, sounds good. All right, well, thank you all for listening, and it's been Hockey Talk on the Rock. Woo!